said you were going to lose both engines at a lower altitude than any jet in history. This was dual engine loss at 2,800 feet, followed by an immediate water landing with 155 souls on board. No one has ever trained for an incident like that. Well, hello and welcome to another edition of our Conversations with Sound Artists podcast series. Uh, we are on the lot at Warner Brothers uh, today, uh, shining a little spotlight on the movie Sully, uh, which is nominated in the Best Sound Editing uh, category. And we're here talking with Alan Murray. We're, we're, this is almost like we're, we're, we're going to be old friends about this, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. yeah. We, uh, we talked just last year about your nomination about Sicario. Right. And, um, and, and Alan, uh, this is your, you've, you've been nominated seven times and won twice. Uh, or you've been nominated nine times and won twice. Yes. <clears throat> yes. Right. It's, yeah. it's, it's been a, a pretty amazing. Yeah. I mean, and then we've, three noms in a row so we're uh i couldn't be prouder of the crew and the mixed stages and everybody involved so it's quite a deal for everybody so we're really proud of it yeah and you've been i mean obviously you've had an amazing long run with uh with mr eastwood yeah when did you start working with clint uh i believe it was 19 19- god i don't want to date myself <laughs> uh, it's all it's all on the internet anyway it was uh 19 19- let's say 79 which which one was that was that the, uh, uh, escape from alcatraz escape from alcatraz the first one yeah and were you in a what how did you get what, what was your first job working with uh, with clint were you it was in the sound department yeah uh we had just become supervisors over at paramount and george waters and i and uh i heard he was coming over and doing a movie at paramount and i had just recently seen Josie Wales and it was like oh my god I gotta work with this guy so his uh film editor came over and set up rooms at Paramount so one day I just dropped by and that's back in the days when you could do that you know there weren't security guards and security locks on cutting rooms and I walked in and introduced myself, and I said... You just walked right up to Clinton? No, it was Ferris Webster, the film editor. His picture editor. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I walked in there, and I said, hey, Ferris, I'd like to introduce myself. Uh, I'm an ambitious young sound supervisor, and I just saw Josie Wales, and I would do anything to work with Mr. Eastwood. And he said, well, you know, we'll see. And so I'd see him in the commissary and go up and start talking to him again, and then... One day he had Don Siegel with him, who directed it, and I met Don, and we talked some more, and then about a week later, Ferris called me up and said, okay, kid, we're going to give you a shot. Wow. And uh, we did the temp mix with Don Siegel, and then at the end of that, we were screening it, and I walked into this uh, projection room, and they rolled the movie, and we sat there and watched the whole mix together. And during the screening, I felt this presence walk in behind me. <laughs> and I didn't, I didn't want to turn around. I just stayed focused up front. And 
at the end of the movie, I felt this pat on my back, and I heard this, nice job, kid. <laughs> and I turned around, and it was Clint. That, it was like, that, oh, my God. In that voice. Right? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, started on that one, and it's been going, I guess that's... 38 years. Have you missed one or you've been, you, you no. had, you've had perfect attendance? Perfect attendance. <laughs> yeah. And you know, it's hard with schedules and all that, but you know, I, I wouldn't miss it. So well, you got to make it, you have to make it work. Yeah. I right? got to make it work. So yeah. Been lucky. So, uh, 38 years you said. So yeah. Sully, um, you know, and obviously you guys are coming off of a really successful movie with uh, with uh, American Sniper was the the one right before this. Right. Um, how has working with Clint changed over the years? Has his style changed? Is he, you know, obviously the technology has changed as you guys have gone to digital, but has that really changed the way Clint works at all? No, not really because I mean, he still relies on us to make a take on the reel. And then he'll come back and watch playback. And then it's still the same trust that he's always had. You guys know better than I on what you're doing. And, you know, show me your best work and let's review it and talk about it. And I'll make changes and let's move on from there. He hates sitting on the stage going back and forth. Just most directors hate that. So yeah. it's like, Clint, stay in your office. We'll make a take on the on the reel and then come down and we'll play it back for you and... Now, is that partially just because um, uh, he wants to keep his ears fresh, or yeah. just be, yeah, yeah, yeah? He wants he again. He you know, if you're gonna work on a line of dialogue and you're gonna go back and forth over it fifty times, he's out of the room. Yeah, I, it's like he doesn't have the patience. So it's better just for him to stay and come in fresh ears and sit back and watch the reel. So. <clears throat> By this point, you got you you've you've done so many pictures uh, with Mr. Eastwood, so you you know you know what you get a call from his producer before they you know before they go shoot a movie. We're we're gonna go do. How did it work with Sully? When did you find out about it? You know, and, and this was sort of a this was this wasn't a huge budget movie. Um, I think it was fifty. Oh well, 50 well that's a, that's a, that's a good size. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, we found out he was doing it, and then usually what to do is send me the script. And I'll go through the script and go, I need to do this, this, and record this. And then we work out the logistics and if it's possible and all that. And the way this one started, um, Captain Sullenberger came in to Eastwood's office and kind of held court with everybody on the crew. Everybody got 45 minutes to interview him. Before, before they went and shot the movie? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So wardrobe came in. He went over everything. Uh, then uh, I got my 45 minutes. And, you know, you walk into the room and here's this stoic hero. And you're yeah. just, you're in awe of the guy. And sure. he's got this big booming voice. <laughs> oh, does he? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, wow. So, you know, it's like, how do I address you? God, right. hero, <laughs> sir. <laughs> So, yeah, no, Captain Sully. So, uh, yeah, he told us everything that went on. and uh, Well, what kind of questions did you ask him? Uh, what, 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 did, what did it sound bird like? strike sound? <laughs> yeah, how was that? Birds. Whoa. Well, 
what immediately happened to the engines and he said you know you got to understand from the cockpit because the engines are back, behind you yeah he's got a different perspective of what everybody hears and in the movie we had to show cockpit passenger section and exterior so we had to do it three times sure but uh, i never i'd never thought about that what 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 do the engines sound like in the cockpit uh, well, are you a, getting are you getting more vibration and structural stuff, or are you no, actually you, on normal engines you kind of hear the rumble and the the jet whine a little bit, but when the after the birds struck and all the uh, turbine blades were broken and smashed, he said it sounded like some really big heavy shoes in a clothes dryer, just boom, 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 boom. oh, interesting. Because th- I guess the uh, rotors were still freewheeling when the plane was descending. So it was them trying to turn with all the broken turbine oh, blades inside. Okay. So, so he described that. Um, we also had the cockpit uh, cockpit recorder transcripts right. that broke down everything he said and told us what alarms were going off in that time period. It was broken down to seconds and minutes, and sure. I think the whole thing lasted three minutes. So. It's pretty amazing how fast yeah. the whole thing goes, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. And yeah, because there were constantly uh, alarms going off, and the the, the automatic v- v- recordings. Yeah, uh, the voice the, alarms. The, yeah, the voice and, alarms. Yeah, yeah, those are crazy. I I never would have thought they sound like thirty uh, two bit Nintendo games. It's like, right? oh my god! So, yeah, that was a revelation. Mayday, Cactus 1549, we've lost both engines. Both engines. No relight on one or two. Cactus 1549, if we can get it for you, do you want to try to land runway 13? Departure control, we can make it. We're turning back towards LaGuardia. By building uh, the soundtrack to the actual transcripts, because Tom Hanks said everything that Sully really said in the cockpit. So we could, you know, where Tom Hanks said this, we knew in that time frame what alarms were going off and all that. So we got to rebuild it. And after we rebuilt the cockpit, it was amazing how much chaos was going on. And just for that guy to keep his focus on what he was doing, he had air traffic control calling him. He had the computer voice you know, pull up, pull up, pull up. The right. alarms were ringing. I just don't know how he kept his focus. And to land that plane that perfectly, right? Uh, it's like a mir- it is a miracle. So, so when when you went back and basically kind of, <clears throat> it sounds like you did a little bit of forensics and you kind of rebuilt, you know, in in high fidelity, you know, yeah. uh, the w- what was happening on the 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 audio recordings from the cockpit. Did it end up being too much? Like, did you have to pull some of that stuff? But no. was it just too chaotic? No, it really it built the tension. It built the tension. So. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, after we built it, we sat back and went, oh, my God. You didn't need score. You didn't need anything. It was the tension of the cockpit. Plus, the engines were making their noise, you know, from the turbine blades bouncing around. and Because that sequence basically, it, it, it happens, you know, sort of midway through the, through the, through the film uh, yeah. when the actual, when the, when, they, when the crash happens, um, or I should say the forced water landing. Yes. <laughs> um, so 
and um, my my feeling was it played out almost in real time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the the famous film editor uh, that cut the movie. <laughs> <laughs> now we should we should we should acknowledge <laughs> you guys are keeping it in the family, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. My son got his big break on Sully, so. Uh, and he, yeah. he he edited the uh, he edited picture edited picture right yes and uh, it was a huge movie I mean he's been in the cutting room for twelve years so it was a natural progression but you know to get a break on a movie like that with Tom Hanks and, of course so yeah they uh, they you, went real usually the usually the picture editor kind of busts the chops of the of the of the sound supervisor uh-huh. yeah a little bit did that did that happen on this he picture? tried. <laughs> <laughs> but the old age prevailed, so no, we, uh, he told me his ideas, and, you know, uh, he, he started out in sound with me, so he knows, right. so uh, he had his own ideas. I think the problem with, with what he was going through, when you're in the room with the Avid, it's like a personal thing. You don't have huge soundtracks, you got maybe three tracks, and it becomes a very narrow focus. Right. And he's trying to tell the story. And then he walks on the stage and he's got sounds coming out of every speaker and it's it's a shock. Right. You know, you're not you all of a sudden this intimate thing you've been dealing with with has turned into a monster of sound. So Well, and you guys don't with with Mr. Eastwood, you don't do a lot of test screenings and temp mixes, do you? No, we don't we don't do temp mixes. Uh we have pretty adequate time to do the final and we go right into a final. So yeah. Yeah, he's he's like, you know, let's get it done and any screenings or anything comes after the final mix. So Right. Right. Yeah. He shows the movie when he's good and ready to show yeah, the movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh you know, and then on this one it was uh Captain Sullenberger said he talked about the A three twenty and what a incredible airplane it was. And he mentioned that the one he was flying had specific engines so uh back east they use these engines more than they do out here so uh we were thinking well how do we get an airbus a320 and you know (laughs) so i that was actually uh, the next thing i wanted to ask you was sort of like you know normally when you get a uh, you know you start to work on a movie you're like okay well i want to go out and record my sounds and like what how you, you how do you how do you stage an A320 making a forced water landing on the Hudson so that you so you can get some good sound effects recordings? I'm of the impression as a sound supervisor, it's let me hear the sound. Mm-hmm. I need to experience what Sullenberger was hearing. I need to feel what that jet sounds like. And then I can build on it. But first, I've got to hear the real thing. What actually happened. Yeah. So uh, American Airlines had taken over U.S. Air at that point. So we tried to, we you know, we talked to the head and they were cooperating with the movie. So we talked to the head of American Airlines, and it was like, you know, I need to record one of these planes, and it's got to have these specific engines. And they're going, you know, Alan, in this time and age with security problems, there's no way I can put you on an airliner with a recording crew 
you know, just the security alone is crazy. And I kept on thinking, you guys can tell me no now, but I got to do this because I owe it to Captain Sully. I mean, this is his story. He's a live hero. You want to portray what he was hearing and you want to do it right. Right. So I kept dogging him and, and finally I said, there's got to be a point where you take one of these A320s and have it repaired. You got it, you know. So finally they found one with the engines and they were flying it out of uh, Arizona to Texas to have it painted. <laughs> and so I said, all right, you know, that's it. So we grabbed the sound crew, flew to uh, Arizona, got out on the tarmac with uh, a couple of A320s, recorded all the exterior taxiing and all that. And then we boarded this this jet that was taken off to Texas. We wired the whole thing, just wow. me and, and John Fasal, wired the whole thing with mics, 5-1 in the passenger section, uh, cockpit, every place. Then they let you have free run, you know, because they weren't obviously they weren't they weren't flying any passengers. They no were passengers, like just us and the pilot. Pilot was great. How do you want me to take off? And do oh, you really? Want me to, oh, yeah. Do you want me to do it like in the movie? And you, want me to, like, you want me to cut the engines and bring it in for <laughs> yeah, you? No, he, he wouldn't go that far. <laughs> so you know, we we flew to Texas that night, and we ran into this huge thunderstorm just as we were coming into. I think it was. Uh, what was the area of Texas we'd landed in? Oh, well, anyhow, it was a smaller airport. And this plane was dropping like 35, 40 feet because of the air pressure change. Oh, because, yeah. So we got all that type of sound, which was, at one point I'm thinking, oh, my God, we're actually going to be able to record a plane going down, you know? <laughs> so You were, you were white-knuckling it a yeah. little bit, yeah. So, and then we landed, and the, we told the pilot we needed to get some exterior engines, close-up mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. And could he rev the engines up to 100% power and then do a shutdown? And So we're out there on the, the tarmac. It must have been 1130 at that time. <laughs> and the head of the airport comes out and he says what the hell are you guys doing <laughs> boys you don't get if you don't get that airplane out of here i got guys that are tired they want to shut down the the airport you got a half hour and it was like you know john fasal he's like wow wait i gotta get one more thing in there yeah, you know yeah, yeah. so at that time we actually uh when they shut down the engines i guess because of the uh, altitude and the heat of flying into uh texas the we got in close to the cowling and the rotors were rubbing against the inner lining of the really? cowling because i guess they had expanded with the heat and that's normal they said it was <laughs> Let it, me did, tell it you. didn't sound normal did it, it was it was it was a scary sound and we actually used that in the in the movie where he was coming in to hit the hudson so uh yeah it was a, a scary sound and then we boarded another plane and flew it back and recorded that plane oh i see back to arizona yeah i think i mean the first time i when i was just thinking about it I was like oh well they lost the engine so 
it actually must have been really eerily quiet when the plane was coming in. Yeah, except for the rotors banging around. But yeah, he said basically he heard this eerie wind against the airframe. Oh, man. You know, in between all the computer alarms and all that. So that was a hard thing about the movie because you go from this dynamic bird strike and the engines blowing and flames coming out of the engines to nothing in the most crucial part of the movie. So we had to keep up the tension, you know, so it was coming up with a uh, air kind of hitting the airframe and, and uh, Tom Ozanich's sound designer had come up with these uh, stress on the airframe. Kind of creaks and groans. Yeah, and yeah, things. groans uh-huh. and stuff like that. So that was our uh, score for that part of the... Because it wasn't any music on that sequence, right? No, no. Yeah, yeah Clint... Clint, Clint, he uses his music really sparingly, doesn't he? Yeah, and he went he went to a, a kind of an uh, extreme on this when he wanted to use this jazz quartet, and this woman did some vocal. Uh, it was almost like a a jazz thing, but with these uh, Renaissance vocal type <laughs> things, you know. So uh, we tried to incorporate incorporate that where we could uh some places uh, it just didn't work but uh we came to a good balance on trying to get most of that in what he wanted so Mm -hmm. but yeah he tends to he tends to lay back on music he doesn't want to force the issue on people he doesn't want to tell you how to feel right so you know that puts a lot more pressure on you yeah, and, and I love it because we get to shine. You know, we've got the whole uh, soundscape to play with. So, stars. Heads down, stay down. Well, the the other thing that I thought was really interesting structurally about the movie and kind of gave you a great opportunity was, you know, it's sort of like Titanic. We know how this story is going to end. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, we know what happens from the from the very beginning. I thought, you know, obviously the movie opens with the plane, you know, with the plane crash as well, except it doesn't doesn't turn out quite the way you think it's going to. <laughs> no. So what happens, uh, for maybe for people who haven't seen it, right at the, that, that opening? Well, the opening sequence, it was, okay, this is a nightmare. Right. So we're going crazy with the sound. We're not sticking to anything real. or So we went kind of overboard on that and to show the terror of what really could have happened and what was avoided. Because you staged those basically kind of they're, they're they're kind of daydreams on Sully's part, but they're nightmares as well. When when you know, if things had worked out differently, yeah. you know, if he had crashed the plane in Manhattan, right? And so you had this opportunity to kind of, you know, obviously the audience is waiting for the crash sequence, and I think I thought it was really smart not to just leave it until an hour and ten minutes into the movie, yeah. Like actually do it right at the beginning, yeah. But I thought it was a really smart idea to 
play with the reality a little bit, and you guys really had some some interesting opportunities with the, with the design there as well. Yeah, we got to go wild with everything, and it was nice because you know we got that out of our system, and, right. <laughs> and then we went okay. Now we got to deal with the kind of documentary style, the way we're going to do this on the real event. So, yeah, it was, uh, and I got to tell you. You know, we went down to uh, the Air Force Base in New Mexico to do the F-4 sequence. And again, it was something I had seen in the script and requested. So the the F-4 sequence is sort of a flashback to when Sully was younger? Right. Yeah. And um, I got to tell you, the producers at Mal Paso, they know that I'm trying as hard as I can. So they're really great about trying to get me to get in there and record these things. So again, that was another security thing going down there, but you know, but you also like, you know, Mr. Eastwood's name does some, sometimes it opens does, it some opens doors, doors. Yeah. For, some, for these kinds of things, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Just a real quick side story. We were doing the American sniper and we were in 29 palms with, at, at the Marine base there, at the Marine base doing a huge military exercise where we were recording howitzers and, we were like, I think we were may have been 500 yards away from an impact zone where they the howitzer shells were flying over our head and hitting there, and jets were dropping 500 pound bombs, and it was loud. It was loud, but you don't, you can't get the awe unless you're there. Right. And the uh, marine major said to me, "Okay, they're going to let off a line charge." Well. I don't know what a line charge is, and I've never heard one. And we're out there, we're in Kevlar vests and helmets, you know, with our recording equipment. We must have looked like the biggest geeks to these <laughs> Marines, you know. But the guy says, okay, the line charge is coming. And I'm looking down at my meters going, okay, what's how loud is this going to be? This thing went off, and it lifted me three feet off the ground and threw me flat on my back. Wow. And that was just... The, the, the wave. Right? Yeah. yeah. And it was like, oh, my God, how do these guys go through that every day? I had never felt anything like that before. And I thought, well, thank God I had the helmet. And, yeah. You know, so. I'm going to presume you pegged your microphone that day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, then we were driving back. We were leaving the area. And the jets that were doing the military exercise, they called in to the major in the Humvee and they said, we understand Mr. Eastwood's crew was out here recording. We'd like to do a salute to Mr. Eastwood. So he pulls over, and down this desert canyon come these six, they must have been, I think they were F-18s or something. Anyhow, Screaming they're down coming down, there. and they're doing uh, barrel rolls as a salute to Clint Eastwood. <laughs> I was just blown away. It was so impressive. And naturally, you didn't hear anything until they got right on top of you. And then it was like, again, just blew you out of the water. So, but I thought, oh my God, these guys are, you That's know. That's great. Yeah. So, that's great. Yeah. So, uh, anyhow. So they let you go down and record some of this stuff with the, uh, you said it was F4s? F4s. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, Clint, I get down there and he fly, we all fly down there and, and, you know, he has production meetings and then we got to get up at four in the morning. I don't know. The military always got to do four in the morning for some reason. And if you've ever been out in the desert at four in the morning in the winter, it's quite an experience. So we get out there and, you know, Clint's the first guy up. 
Right. He's the first guy out there. I, it's just, you know, with a leader like that, it's like, oh, God, you know? And so afterwards, you know, they landed the F-4s and the, the pilots came over. And again, they asked me if I needed anything. So we got close-up recordings of the F-4 engines and all that. And then Clint spent 15, 20 minutes with the pilots' wives and families. And that's just the type of guy he is. Sure. I mean, so... You know, he gets everybody on board, and it's really a cool thing that he does. So, and everybody know. everybody wants to give it their all. Yeah, yeah. So, so you had this movie. You had Sully on the one hand that everybody wants to, you know, pay tribute to, and Mister Eastwood. Yeah, so. two iconic figures. Yeah, and yeah. so, yeah, it was uh, it was a lot of responsibility on that movie, and uh, a lot of pressure to do it right. And thank God everything came out the way we wanted to. So. Yeah. Well, I wanted to give you a, a chance to, to give a shout out to your Foley crew because I'm sure they did some pretty amazing work on this film. Yeah, and I I got to tell you, I've had a long relationship with One Step Up. Um, they are the best, uh, and Dan always does the extra mile for me. He's uh, so. How did they do? Like you know, all the you know, walking on the wings. I mean, it's just the the, the magic that they do. Yeah, it's the magic that they do, and you you also got to remember uh, the production bought uh, two A three twenties, and uh, the production bought yes. two A three twenties, dead A three twenties. They sold the engines, they cut them in half, and they dressed them up, and that's what they that, that that's what they shot on. Yeah, they brought one to the lake in Universal. So they put a whole A320 in this lake. And and on the back lot at Universal. On the back lot. They have a huge pool. They flooded that out and put the A320 in there. Yeah. And that's where they shot a bunch of the stuff? That's where they shot the whole evacuation onto the Hudson Uh, Bay. And then you guys had access to that, obviously. So, again, yeah. So we got to go in there and record inside the airliner. And then they cut another piece off, which was just the cockpit, and brought it over to a soundstage here. So after they shot, you know, uh, Tom Hanks scene, who was... He's amazing. He's amazing, yeah. Um, I actually had the guy that was showing Tom how to fly the plane for the movie. He sat there and went over every switch with me in the cockpit. At this point, Tom's going to hit this switch, so we'd record that, and then he'd move on to the next one. So it was, yeah, all these people just poured their heart out and made everything so it's actually it's, it's if you listen carefully to the track that's that's really it's how real. it went down it is so real yeah yeah uh, every switch was choreographed and yeah so <laughs> what an amazing piece and of and how lucky is that yeah. how would you like to do that movie out of just the library right i mean you know i i would i was gonna be the last guy to hear silly say you know, that's the wrong sound, Alan. You know, I mean, come on. <laughs> that's not the way it happened. Yeah, so I couldn't let that happen. So it was a lot of dedication to do it right. So That must have been pretty intense for them when they saw the movie for the first time. Yeah, he, uh, they went and had a special screening for him. And he said it was an uh, out-of-body experience. He was uh, very happy with it and then supported the film. He went to all the film festivals and... Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing him again. Hopefully, he'll be at the Oscars. So, yeah, he's he's a great guy. 
That's great. Yeah. Well, Alan, thanks so much for taking the time Thank to talk you. with us about the movie today. Congratulations, Sully. You know, you, it's 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 another another jewel in the crown for you and Mr. Eastwood. Yeah, uh, and hopefully there's many more to come. So absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Well, uh, good luck in a couple of weeks. Fingers Thank crossed. You. And, Thank uh, you. Yeah. And again, uh, thanks for taking the time to talk with us today. This is Glenn Kaiser from the Dolby Institute and the Soundworks Collection podcast signing off. <laughs> <laughs>